today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Does it blank draw me closer to the Lord in praise of the Lord or does it instead distance me from the Lord? If it distances me from the Lord, it's strange. Get away. Run away before it carries you away from the Lord. That's the litmus test. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Sometimes it's hard to know if there are things in your life that shouldn't be there. Well, today, Pastor J.D. will give you a litmus test to determine if your life is filled with things of God or the world. If there's anything in your life that's a higher priority than God or draws you away from Him, it's not of God. Flee and turn back to the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, let's join Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I know this might really ruin some of your images of Jesus, but he didn't have like a halo around him and, you know, a glow about him and, oh, oh, oh you know, no, he just looked like, well, I'm sorry, he probably looked a lot like me, <laughs> Middle Eastern, you know, and uh, not blue, blue eyes and blonde hair, sorry. To... So they come to arrest him. What does Peter do? takes out his sword, and again, you got to hand it to him, kind of like over my dead body, and he takes his sword and he, he cuts off Malchus's ear. And Jesus, okay, first of all, he heals the ear, which I'm pretty sure we're going to see Malchus in heaven. If I'm, that, if I'm Malchus and that happens, I'm getting saved. This is the Savior. Did you see what... Dude, you cut my ear off and he just put it back on and healed me. I'm I'm getting saved. I think Malchus will be in heaven. Again, just conjecture on my part. I'm going somewhere with this and it's deeply profound, so stay with me. What does he say to Peter? Peter, what are you doing? You're trying to fight a spiritual battle with fleshly weapons. This is a spiritual battle, not a... And, and by the way, what was the motivating factor for Peter? How dare you do that? That's my Savior. That's self. And Jesus says, this is Peter. No. No. Paul would write to the Corinthians, our weaponry is not carnal. We're, we're fighting a spiritual battle with carnal weaponry. We're fighting a spiritual battle in the energy of our own flesh. And by the way, it should be noted that this is exactly what Satan wants. He wants to take us out of the arena of the spiritual and into the arena of the carnal, because now he's got us on his turf. 
And if he can get us into the arena of the carnal, it's game over. When we stay in the arena of the spiritual, it's game over for him. You know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he did not defeat Satan in his divinity. He defeated Satan in his humanity. How? With the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Scripture. James says, and again, I man, can't wait to... Actually, I should be careful. Um, I said that about Hebrews. Can't wait to go through Hebrews. <laughs> man, I am bus up <laughs> after teaching through Hebrews, and I, I'm sure you are too. I mean, this book has beat me up in a good way. And just so you know, if Hebrews beat you up, James is going to finish the job. Hi, <laughs> me, you talk about beating you up. Wow. But James talks about this. I mean, what, what causes fights and wars amongst you? Self. Self. Pride. You haven't died to self. You know, uh, people who have died to themselves are not argumentative. Have you noticed this? <laughs> and by the way, doesn't it take two to argue? I know it takes two to tango. It takes two to argue too, right? You ever tried to argue with somebody and fight with somebody that's already dead to themselves? It's kind of like, come on, fight back. Huh? I'm dead. <laughs> Dead men don't fight. I've already died to myself. And then they kind of take your temperature and they'll say things just to get something to come out of you. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh man, they, they want to get you in the flesh. Listen, I don't need any help. <laughs> I can do a very good job by myself. Thank you very much. I don't need anyone's help getting into the flesh. The flesh is right there at the ready. Here's the takeaway, and we'll move on and to the last one. Any teaching that dismisses or neglects the truth of death to self is strange to the gospel. Pick up your cross. Get it over with, man. <laughs> die to yourself. I want to die with dignity. Nah, just, it's death. Just die. Just die. That's the old man. And quit trying to bring him back to life again. No, he's dead. Die to yourself. And you'll live. Whole oh, will you live. Now that's living, as we say. Here's the third one, and lastly, in verses 15 and 16. Does it carry me away from continual praise? Now, if you were to ask me what I thought was one of the best litmus tests, if I can say it that way, in this regard, what the writer says here would have to be it. Namely, that of whether or not it draws me closer to the Lord in praise of the Lord, or instead does it distance me 
from the Lord. That is a telltale sign. It is a litmus test that has served me so well over the years. That's the gauge, and it's across the board in every arena of life. Does that form of recreation, that hobby, that friendship, that relationship, that entertainment, you fill in the blanks. Does it blank draw me closer to the Lord in praise of the Lord, or does it instead distance me from the Lord? If it distances me from the Lord, it's strange. Get away, run away, before it carries you away from the Lord. That's the litmus test. Example, someone comes to you with this belief, doctrine if you prefer, and they say, you know, if you're really saved, then it will be evidenced by such and thus. Wait, really? When you prayed and came to Christ, how do you know you're truly saved? Wait, I'm not saved now? I thought I was saved. I thought I had the Holy Spirit indwelling me, because when I came to Christ, He gave me the Holy Spirit to seal me for the day of redemption. That's what my Bible says. And now you're telling me that, oh, I didn't quite do it right. You had to do it on a Tuesday when it was partly cloudy, windward Malka showers, you know, and you had to be wearing red and purple polka dot shoelaces and no. That's kind of strange. And not only is that strange, but what you've just done is you have just driven a wedge in between me and Jesus. And now all of a sudden you've brought doubt, you've planted this seed of doubt in my mind, and (laughs) it's carried me away, distanced me from the Lord. Okay, how about this? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Right? And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Okay, hang on to that one. Now let's add another one. John says, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. James, we talked about this in the update. Again, can't wait, sort of. Um, He says the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, and then peaceable, and gentle, and easy to be entreated, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, without hypocrisy or partiality, bearing fruit unto righteousness. That's the, again, litmus test by which you'll know if it's the wisdom from the Lord or the wisdom from the world. Does it Does this template, this grid, does it align? Does it match up? Is it compatible with? 
So if the commands of the Lord are not burdensome, and then, and the truth will set me free, then wouldn't it stand to be to reason that if the truth will set me free, a lie will burden me down? Let me say the same thing in a different way. If somebody comes to me and lays a heavy trip on me, and it has this effect of distancing me from the Lord, my praise of the Lord, and the good things that I do that are pleasing to the Lord, as the writer of Hebrews notes, if it carries me away from that, that's that. It's not the truth, because the truth frees me. The lie will burden me. And the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. They're easy to be entreated. They're reasonable. So if somebody comes to me and says, well, you need to and are required to do, and you can fill in the blank with whatever you want. Oh, you have to speak in tongues. You have to keep the Sabbath holy. You have to be water baptized. I mean, I can go down on another list if you want, but you've got your own list, right? When I was a new believer, I couldn't put the Bible down. I mean, I just read it from cover to cover. It took me six months. Had one of those good news Bibles. Had to go buy one. I didn't have one. Remember the good news Bible? I mean, it was a limited vocabulary. <laughs> Even that was a stretch for me. I had killed so many brain cells, not proud of it, but anyway. So I got me one of those good news Bibles, and I started in Genesis. I probably shouldn't have done that. I, you know, they say start in the book of John, for good reason, by the way, because when I got into the Leviticus and all the, you know, Levitical <laughs> <laughs> requirements and restrictions. And then the, the animal sacrifices. I was a blank slate, keep in mind. And I'm, and I'm reading about all these animals. I'm like, every time I sin, I got to sacrifice an animal? That's a lot of livestock. I don't want to do that. And then I got to the New Testament, and then Jesus is the sacrifice once and for all. I'm like, oh, perfect. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to. You're the, you're the Lamb of God. I was going to go out and get a lamb. I don't need a lamb. You're the Lamb of God. Is that weird? Whatever. So I, I couldn't put it down. So here I am. It's in the summer. I'm at the park. I'm reading my Bible. Sunny day. Just, I mean, everything was Jesus this, Jesus that. And then up walks this guy. And he says, I see that you're reading your Bible. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I hadn't killed that many brain cells. I'm looking at this guy like, duh. But anyway, um, and then he proceeded to, it was a setup for what he was about to say, because he laid a heavy trip on me. He says, uh, have you ever been baptized with the Holy Spirit as evidenced by the speaking in tongues? Okay, now I had not got to that part yet. I'm like, tongues? Um, I have one. What? And I'll tell you, it messed me up and took me down. All of a sudden, I mean, it was just kind of like, talk about 
popping the balloon and bursting the bubble. And I mean, it just, as we say, take the wind out of your sails. I was just deflated and defeated. And I'm like, oh. So I went back to my apartment and tried to, you know, speak in tongues. I was like, Fill me up with the Holy Spirit. Honda, 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 Honda. <laughs> that seemed to be. And he told me, he said, just try and it'll, it'll start coming. And so I did. And oh my goodness. I remember just praying very innocently. And Lord, I, I thought I was saved. And I guess I need to be more saved because I'm not as saved as this guy who apparently is more saved than I am because he got the Holy Spirit and I didn't. And he speaks in tongues and I don't. So what's up with that? And you know, I used to, this was the, this is 1982. I I was five, so don't do the math anyway. 1982. And at that time, that song, uh, Majesty, you remember that song? Oh my goodness. I had a 1979 Volkswagen Rabbit Brown. We called it Stay Around Brown was the color. And I had one, again, you young people, it was a cassette tape uh, player. It's a plastic cartridge with, uh, anyway. So I, I got that tape and I would play it full blast. And, you know, at stoplights, my hands off the steering wheel, just, you know, majesty, worship is. And then after this guy was through with me, it wasn't majesty. It was more like majesty. Can I say that? (laughs) One last thought and we'll close. Psalm 16:11 I think I could be wrong David In your presence is fullness of joy Oh wait it it, it there uh, Psalm 16:11 He inhabits the praises of his people you're familiar with that song right Did you catch that he inhabits the praises of his people Now don't you think that the enemy is First of all, the enemy knows Scripture better than we do. And if he can disrupt our praising of the Lord, because he knows that the Lord will inhabit the praises of his people, you don't think he's going to try to do that? Because see, if he can sever that, it's just like with our prayer life, that's another topic for another time. But he knows that's the the, the power source. You know how it is when you, especially on a midweek Bible study on Thursday nights, for those of you that, that come to our midweek Bible study, you know how it is on Thursday afternoons when you, you, you get home from work, you've had one of those days, <laughs> which seems to be like every day now, and you're, you're like, man, I am just so tired. And then you eat, which you shouldn't do, and you're like, you know, and then there's a drowsiness just, I mean, sets in. You're like, man, I, I'm just, I'm too tired. I don't, I don't want to go. 
you know, for me, I have to, because I'm teaching the Bible study, so I have to be here. But, you know, there are just times where you just don't feel like it. You're really tired. And then you get here, and you start praising Him, and oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm so glad I came. I mean, oh, you know why that is, right? I mean, that's why the enemy wanted to keep you from coming, because if he can sever the praising and praying connection and power source, because he knows that God inhabits the praises of his people, he's going to do everything he can to, to get you to not do that. And then you get here and you start praising the Lord. And, and that's why it is, by the way, that when you set your foot to pray, all hell breaks loose, quite literally. Everything starts happening. Because Satan knows that if he can keep you from praying and praising the Lord, he's got you. Because he knows that's the power source. Once you start praising the Lord. Okay, one last thing. Uh, think this through with me. And we've talked about this before. Sometimes when you don't feel like it, that's the time that you need to put on worship music and sing out loud to the Lord. Yeah, but that's the last thing I feel like. Exactly. Do it and the feelings will follow. Because if there's one thing Satan does not like and cannot stand, it's worship of Jesus. And by the way, the worship songs, <laughs> make sure they're songs that worship Jesus. I know that should be a firm grasp of the obvious, but it's actually not. Some of the worship music today, you'd be hard pressed to, wait, what? Who's that to? That's strange. Who's, who are you singing to? What, which God? Which God? I, what? Wait, 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 that, that song, those words, I don't think that's in here. I don't think that's in here. He doesn't want to hear the name of Jesus. So even when you say God, the demons are like cool with that. But when you say Jesus, they run, which is what you want them to do. <laughs> Resist the devil and he will flee. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for, for your word. And yeah, maybe a little bit of a hard word, but a good word for sure. Lord, thank you for spiritual discernment. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit and the discernment of spirits, the gift of the discernment of spirits to be able to discern those things which are not of you. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's not that we get into your word, your word gets into us. And when it does, it has this much needed effect in our lives. And that's what we're praying you'll do now as we end this time together in your word. Lord, you need to now by the Holy Spirit, take it to the next level so that we're not numbered amongst those of whom it is said by James again, 
They're just merely hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.